What's the next step? That's a question we ask in a lot of areas in our lives, and we should. Sometimes we think about it, you know, financially. Think about what the next step is and how do we prepare for that. Maybe we're preparing to get married or, or have kids or buy a house, prepare for retirement. Whatever it is, we think about, okay, what's the next step and how do I get ready for that? Sometimes we might think about it relationally. Am I going to marry this person? Uh, am I going to take the next step in this relationship with this person? We can do that as well. Sometimes we think about it professionally, right? What do I need to do to prepare myself for this job? What skill do I need to get that I don't have now? What education do I need to get for this job? How do I go to the next level professionally? All those things we think about our next step. But we don't always think about that in terms of our relationship with God. Sometimes we just sort of think that'll take its course and it'll develop over time and whatever happens sort of happens there. But the truth is we need to plan for that as well. What is the next step? And so in this series of lessons, we're thinking about our next steps in our relationship with God. So the first week, we talked about our initial commitment of faith. How do we decide to follow Jesus? And then as we go from there, we think about our other next steps. And as a church, We've talked about three steps that are pretty memorable, easy for us to sort of latch on to, gather, grow, and go. And so last week, we talked about the first of those, which is to gather. And that's what we do in this room. And we gather for worship. We gather for teaching. This week, I want us to move to the second of those, which is to grow. And this really has two elements to it. The first is we want to grow in our relationship with God. We want to deepen that relationship, and that means we want to know more about God, but it also means we want to know God. It really is a relationship, not just a sort of a knowledge base. And part of the way that we do that is by growing in our relationships with other Christians, connecting with them, and having people that we can depend on, having people that will encourage us to grow in our relationship with God. And that's where we're going to talk a little bit today. And next week, we'll talk about going and the sense of mission, doing something with our faith. So how do we grow? Well, a lot of times as we think about church and growing in our relationship with God, part of what that means is that we get to be part of some kind of group. Maybe it's a small group that meets in somebody's home for study and prayer and fellowship, or maybe it's a class here at church. It can take lots of different forms, and, and lots of us can look back on our lives and our Christian walk and say, those kinds of settings have been really important for us in growing in our relationship with God. Maybe you look back on a class that you had, somebody that taught that, and man, it's like every time you're in their presence, their knowledge of faith is so deep that you just almost automatically grow in your knowledge of God and your understanding of who God is. It just deepens you because there's a knowledge base that is really so much wider than yours and deeper than yours. Or maybe it's in a small group where you're really connected with people. And those people became some of your closest friends. I know we can look back in small groups that we've been a part of and in certain settings. Those were the people that we were closest to in the church because we, we met together every week and we talked about life and we shared life. And, and because of those relationships, like every week I was looking forward to being in that small group because these were my friends. And I wanted to be around them, and they really did help me deepen my faith. And maybe you know just what that's like. And those people helped you grow in your faith. And maybe if we're like really honest, what we would also say is, we've been in some classes that we would describe as like 
boring, right? I mean, if we're really honest, there, there are some classes that some of us have gone to and it's been, yeah, you know, it's just the way the presentation was or the person really wasn't challenging you and you didn't, you didn't gain anything new. It was sort of stuff you've been over a thousand times before and it didn't challenge you. Or you're in a group where maybe these are really good people, but just because of who you are and because of who they are, you never connected, right? I mean, you just you never brought it together or there was maybe some people in that group that made it a little difficult, but, but that group was not one you really looked forward to being at and you weren't really close friends with these people. And, and it's disappointing because we, we want those things to be awesome. We want them to be really good. And sometimes they're not. And you know, it involves people, so there's never going to be any guarantees that it will be the way we want it to be. And yet, I think lots of us have this sense that we need something more. We need opportunities to grow in our relationship with God. And this is part of that. But we know this is not a room and a setting, an environment where we can really connect with people. Most of us are looking the same direction. We're not talking to one another. We're listening to someone talk. And so we don't gain connections with people. And though we do grow in our faith, this is still not a place we share life and share faith with each other and conversation that matters and really get feedback on where we are spiritually. So we need something more. So what does Scripture have to say about that? Well, today I'd like us to turn to the book of Acts. We're in Acts in this series. And many of you will know that that Acts is sort of a companion volume to Luke's gospel that bears his name, that tells the story of Jesus, and then Acts picks up where that is, where that leaves off, and tells the story of the life of the early church and how the Holy Spirit was active in the early church. And part of that story is, is Paul's life and his ministries. He goes around the Mediterranean and, and he teaches people that don't know Jesus. And today we pick up with Paul in the city of Thessalonica. It's in Macedonia. And uh, he's, he's doing just what he always did, which was founding churches, going in and planting churches where no one had ever been with the gospel before. And in Thessalonica, like in lots of cities, Paul was successful. And people came to know Jesus because of the work that he was doing. In fact, it was so successful that some people really didn't like what he was doing. And so there was a great opposition that formed against Paul, especially among the Jews, and Paul's a Jew who believes in Jesus, these Jews do not become convinced that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. And so they oppose Paul, they, they raise people up, and there's a riot in the city, and the Christians in Thessalonica are afraid for Paul's safety. And so they say, Paul, you've got to leave. And that's where we pick up the story. It's in Acts chapter 17, verse 10. Luke tells us as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas, and Silas is Paul's partner in ministry, his traveler with him. They sent them away to Berea, to another city. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, if we're not careful, we get a little bit of a false picture here. It sounds like, you know, one night Paul leaves and he goes to this next town and starts preaching as soon as he gets there, you know, like it's the same evening or something, but but Berea is 45 miles away, and Paul did not have a fast car, so this would have been a pretty good journey in the ancient world. So this is a little bit of time, but, but what strikes us is that even though this is a journey that Paul would have to walk, as soon as he gets there, he starts doing what he always does, which is sharing the gospel. Paul went to the, the synagogue in the city of Berea, and he began to teach 
and he told them about Jesus. Now, Paul's message usually went something like this. Let's take a look at the prophets of the Old Testament. People like Isaiah and Micah. Listen to what they had to say about the Messiah. God promised to send someone that would save the people of Israel. And really, as you look at the larger context, would save humanity and change the course of all of human history. And Paul would lay out those prophecies and say, this is what God said was going to happen. And then he would show, this is how Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. This is how Jesus showed that He was the Messiah. How He he came and He fulfilled just what God said would happen. And He offered salvation not only to Israel, but to all of humanity. And He offered forgiveness of sin and eternal life. And Jesus changed the course of human history just as the prophets said that He would. That was a powerful message. And wherever Paul went and he preached that message, people were brought to Jesus. And Berea is no exception. So, in verse 11, we read this. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. So, these Jews, Paul went to the Jews because he was a Jewish teacher, he was a rabbi, so he had a natural entry into a synagogue. These Jews in Berea have more noble character. You'd like to be described as having noble character, right? They have more noble character than the Jews in Thessalonica. Why? Okay, the Jews in Thessalonica rejected Paul's message except for the few that adopted it. Why are the Berean Jews more noble? Here it is. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So there's two things they do. First, Luke says that these people received the message with eagerness. Well, why? Because Paul goes to them and he begins with Scripture, right? He doesn't begin with, hey, let me tell you what I think about this stuff. He begins with, here's the message of Scripture and here's how Jesus fulfilled that message. So, these Berean Christians are open to the message. They're willing to listen. They're willing to hear what Paul has to say. Now, When Paul comes in, remember, they're not Christians. They haven't heard about Jesus. They just know to expect a Messiah. So Paul is taking that expectation and transforming it. This is new to them. And yet, they were open to hear it. And then what's the second part of this? Every day, they came together and studied the Scripture. So Paul says, this is what Isaiah says about the Messiah. Jesus fulfilled it. What do they do? They go to the book of Isaiah and they read it, and you know, they say, well, well, it's true. Just what Paul said is true. Jesus has fulfilled what the prophets said would happen. And as a result, they decide to believe the message of Jesus. Okay? Their noble character is based in their openness to listen to Paul's teaching And then their obligation, fulfilling their responsibility to check and see if this really is consistent with what the Bible, what Scripture has to say. And what's the result? Verse 12. As a result, many of them believed. Okay, that's not surprising, right? Because we know Paul is teaching the truth. We know Paul is showing the truth that that Scripture did prophesy Jesus, and Jesus fulfilled the prophecy. So it's no shock that some of them decide, hey, Jesus really is the Messiah, the Son of God. But more than that, 
as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Now, these are people who don't know the Old Testament. These are people who are not Jews. These are people who don't know Isaiah and Micah. Okay? And yet, they believed. Why would they believe? Well, there's something more going on here, isn't there? Well, what's happening is, these Berean Jewish Christians are recognizing that this message that Paul has preached to them is not just about a Messiah that saves Israel. The message that Paul is preaching is about a Messiah, the Son of God, who has come to save all of humanity. The message is that Jesus offers forgiveness of sin and eternal life. The message is Jesus can change you. And because the Berean Christians came to believe that, they shared it with their friends and their neighbors who were Gentiles. And the Gentiles came to believe too. Now, there's a great message for us as we look at these Berean Christians. These people who listened to what Paul had to say. They're an example for us. They were willing to listen to good teaching based in Scripture. Even though it challenged all their commonly held beliefs. Even though it challenged their assumptions. The Messiah has not yet come. We're expecting the Messiah. Paul says, no, the Messiah has come and His name is Jesus. And when they saw that Scripture Scripture supported what Paul had to say, they believed. So for us, what does this teach us? We could put it this way. Growth comes when we are open and grounded. Growth comes when we are open and grounded. So for us, if we want to grow in our relationship with God, if we want to deepen this relationship with Jesus Christ, it's going to happen when we are both open and grounded. What does that mean? It means when someone stands up to teach in this room, or if it's in a smaller setting, whether it's a class or a small group or whatever the setting, you know, it's really good when someone challenges something that we're thinking. Because, you know, the most boring teaching is when someone is teaching us something we already know. It's never interesting to listen to someone tell us what we already know. We don't learn anything under those settings. Or if someone just gets up and says, ah, let me tell you about my opinion. Well, that's not going to help us. What we need to know is, what does Scripture say, and how does it challenge us? How does it challenge us to think in a different way? How does it challenge us to act in a different way? How does it challenge us to treat our families in a different way? Do our work in a different way? Follow God in a different way? Because then we have to grapple with that. Then we have to think through what does need to change in what I'm thinking? What does need to change in what I'm doing? And if someone is basing that in Scripture, we've got to listen. And you know, that's what we try to do. We try to take messages from Scripture and relate them to us. People sometimes say, well, James, like you've been reading my mail, you know what's going on in my life. The stuff you said really relates to exactly where I am. Well, the truth is, oftentimes it relates to where I am, right? The message is not just for you, it's, it's for me too. But it should come 
from Scripture. It's not what James thinks, or if it's Zach preaching, or someone else preaching up here. It's the message comes from Scripture. And if it doesn't, it's not worth listening to. And so the idea is to allow Scripture to speak through us, so that if you desire to, and we want you to do this, you could go home in the afternoon and go, you know what, I think I'll read that scripture. I'm going to read through Acts chapter 17 and see what happened in Thessalonica and then see what happened in Berea and see if James is teaching what really is consistent with the message that Luke wrote down so many years ago. And that's really what a preacher wants, is for people to listen, to be open to ideas, open to challenging truths from Scripture, and then to check it out on their own. I want you to be convinced not by me, but by what the Bible has to say. That's how we grow. When we're open to listen to new things, but we're grounded enough in Scripture that we're not led astray. We're not just led to, to hear what somebody wants to tell us, but, but it has to be based in Scripture. So, to come back to us as a church, what does this say about our strategy for growing in our faith? Well, what it tells me is that we need more. And the elders and staff sort of recognize this. This is something that we're working on and thinking through. Because we have some small groups that are meeting, and we have some classes that are meeting, and they're doing a good job. But we know that there are lots of people in our church who are not really engaged in this in a, you know, a regular, ordered way. And so, as we think about the future of our church, we recognize that we're going to have to do more. And some of it's going to be maybe small groups that are sort of traditional small groups that meet in someone's home and have a Bible study and prayer and, and eat together. Or maybe there's going to be some classes at church. Or, or maybe we're going to do some other things. Maybe some small groups are going to meet here. Maybe some small groups will meet on Sunday morning. We're still thinking through those options and planning through those options because we really want to meet the needs of our church to help people grow in their faith. It happens some in here, but this is not enough. Now, here's also what we know. Right now, our space is pretty limited. And in fact, over the next few months, it's going to get even more limited as we do a remodel back here. So most of this can't really happen until we finish the new building and finish the remodel on the current building. So right now, we're working on plans for when that's done because we're going to have more space. We're going to have places that are available. So what I'm asking you to do right now, first of all, is to pray for our staff and our elders as we think through what the options are and what will be most effective for our church in this place at this time. And then second, pray for how you can jump in and be involved in that. Okay, Maybe it's going to be something new, something different you've never done before. And you know, here's part of the truth. Some of it will be awesome. And then some of it you'll say, well, you know, I didn't really relate to that. And I didn't really connect with some of those people. And there are no guarantees on any of that. But what I do know is that we can prepare the very best and pray it through and allow God to work. And really, that's what ministry is always all about, is allowing God to, to be at work in us. So, over the next few months, you'll hear more about that, and I just ask you to pray about how you can be open to some of that. We also want to provide some opportunities for growth on our own, right? We have this opportunity, responsibility to grow together, but we don't do just that. We have an opportunity and responsibility to grow individually as well. 
So we want to provide more tools for that, whether they're online, some of them will go along with sermon series, so you can do just what these Berean Christians did, which is look at Scripture and learn from it, alongside learning from the message, learning from a lesson. And so we're going to be uh, giving you more opportunities to do that, some things that will be in the bulletin, some things that will be online, that you can check out and do some more study on your own. But overall, what we're saying is, we as a church, we want to grow in our relationship with God. We want this to be ongoing. Wherever we are, we want to pursue the next step. What's the next thing that we need to do as Christians to grow in our faith? And that's what we're examining. But what we know is, it only happens in the context of being both open and grounded. Let's pray again. God, we're thankful for your word because your word challenges us. Your word encourages us to grow. It forces us to rethink our presuppositions, our assumptions. And so God, we pray that you'll help us to be good students of your word. Help us to study together. Help us to study individually. And God, help us to always teach what is consistent with your word. And God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you the opportunity to respond to the message. The message really that Paul was preaching 2,000 years ago, that God sent his son Jesus, and he died on a cross for our sins to offer us forgiveness, and he was raised from the dead to offer us eternal life. And if you're ready to respond to that in faith and repentance and by being immersed or baptized into Christ, we'd love to talk with you about that, to walk with you through that journey. Or maybe you want to be a member of our church. You've done all those things and want to serve with us would celebrate that as well. Let us know. Come forward as we sing our invitation. Let's stand together.